Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome, friends and fiends, to a very holiday episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk generally about two films, one mainstream and one cult that are thematically related, but we break that trend every December to bring you guys uh, holiday-themed flicks for your film viewing pleasure. Uh, I know that this episode is airing technically on the last day of November and not December, but I wanted to bring you guys that extra holiday cheer early. Plus, let's be real, a lot of us listen to these podcasts after they launch. So here's a holiday film for you. We are doing Hell on the Shelf from 2021. Uh, This is a new and already kind of hard to find feature uh, from uh, the Polonia Productions, this, uh, from Mark Polonia, famed filmmaker of uh, the Polonia Brothers, uh, his brother John, his twin brother, uh, who passed away uh, before, and he still continues to make movies, thankfully for all of us. <clears throat> but I'm your host, as always, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian, and with me, I have longtime uh, hetero life mate, Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Oh, I'm doing great, buddy. Yeah, good. Good. And we also have a longtime friend of the pod and contributor, Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy? I'm good. I'm especially happy to be here today to uh, provide this important parental advice against Elf on the Shelf. Yeah. I So th- th- as you could probably, most of you listeners will probably know in the States anyway, uh, Elf on the Shelf is a toy product, Hallmark kind of product that was sold um, along with a book uh, that you it's a it's an elf toy a Christmas elf uh, those of you not listening in the states Santa uh, his toys are made by his helpers which are elves in the states uh, that is different elsewhere in the world but this elf sits on the shelf in your child's room and the book tells the child that the elf watches their every move and reports back to Santa so they have to be good because if they're not the elf will tell Santa and Santa will not get them any presents um, terrifying absolutely terrifying and uh, it really, moves every it, night. Ooh, yeah, that's right. It's supposed to move. The parents are supposed to move. It's terrifying. I actually, mm-hmm. I'm glad that my parents would never have put this in my room. And I'm sorry, listeners, if you have one of these and you think they're adorable, they're terrifying. Um, uh, they know for me for so many reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's this weird grinning thing. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the image uh, that they chose for the for the ad of uh, this little grinning toy. The thing is. Elf on a Shelf is kind of recognized by a lot of people as being terrifying and upsetting. In fact, The Simpsons did a spoof on it uh, before. 
uh, or, or Maggie, you know, their, their baby uh, destroys Elf on the Shelf because uh, she can't stand their ever-present gaze. This film, the title is a play on uh, Elf on the Shelf, and there is an Elf toy in it that factors into the story. But unfortunately for me, who is looking forward to a real, like, Elf on the Shelf-themed story, it really doesn't have anything to do with the story of Elf on a Shelf. Um, I, I, there's a lot of background to talk about with this film since it is a Polonia production uh, and I'm a big uh, Polonia Brothers fan. But uh, first, let's just get into the plot. Uh, it is actually a paranormal activity slash um, ghost hunting program uh, motif in this. Like the device used to tell the story is a bunch of mostly stationary cameras set up throughout this house. There are three paranormal investigators uh, who are hired by a realtor who keeps having to resell this house uh, because people say it's haunted. Uh, supposedly there was a, a twin boy. These little boys uh, were fighting or playing. No one really knows. Uh, one of them uh, falls down the stairs in the basement and dies. And uh, supposedly this child is haunting the house and somehow it's related to this Christmas elf doll that was found in the basement and that is in the house as well. So no one will stay in this house. So this realtor hires these three experts to come in, document it and see if they can get rid of the spirit if there is one. Uh, of course, there are spoilers in this. I don't really think there's a big twist. There is a twist in this movie, actually. Um, but so if, if this is your kind of thing, you like the Polonia Brothers or, or Polonia Productions films and you want to watch this, go watch it now and then come back and listen. Uh, we'll still be here. That said, uh, spoilers for this, it turns out that the grown uh, surviving brother is the lead investigator and he doesn't tell his his comrades and that's sort of the reveal um and to its credit i actually didn't see it coming although i did wonder why uh his name when credited on the screen was m quote unquote max uh and then his last name i was like why if your name is m wouldn't it be max but no it's manny because he's the child of the uh, uh the surviving brother so uh this vengeful spirit of his dead brother who he uh who thinks he was pushed down the stairs uh is possessing this doll and causing it to murder all of the people who come in the house that's the gist of it there's lots to talk about with this movie and also not lots to talk about and i think that's probably the main problem uh there not a lot happens in this movie um but let's jump right in here Mandy, what were you expecting when uh, you saw the title uh, versus what actually occurred in the film? I was expecting a Christmas-themed um, killer pinata film. Like, I was expecting, the like... Chucky or, yeah, like, Chucky, yeah. or, like, more of, like, the POV of the, the right. killing elf Puppet master, yeah. With, like, little, like, Christmas hat flopping around or something, like, in the front of the camera or something ridiculous. Uh, I was expecting it to be like there to be more movement of the elf on the shelf possibly a longer period of time like over the entire month of december or something like that um yeah i definitely was not expecting like the documentary style and it to so closely mirror like this like ghost hunters style of just tv shows it's like a mashup <laughs> between, like documentary style and mm -hmm. just like a ghost hunters tv show and it was like really close to a ghost like the actual like tv show kind of thing um which i find very boring so it didn't really work for me um and overall it was just like i, I kind of 
expected more horror elements uh and it it had some suspense elements it had like the weirdness uh ghost hunting tool elements and interactions like the unexplained and your voices and stuff i'm like that was kind of cool uh but overall it was like i was just expecting like more of kind of a slasher film based on the artwork uh yeah <laughs> there's several versions of the artwork for the the cover of this film if you were lucky enough to get uh if you're a Polonia brothers fan if you're lucky enough to get the uh sub rosa studios initial blu-ray offering there's this really great digital painting of the the elf on the shovel the knife leaping from the top of a christmas tree towards a, a happy child with a present um the more standard white release has this sort of composite image of like a smiling elf on the shelf with a bloody knife peering around the corner to a, a fully lit christmas tree it does look like it's going to be a doll slasher film which is a huge that's one of my favorite genres um everything from uh charles band's puppet master films all the way through his other puppet e films to of course um chucky which by the way guys watch the chucky series on sci-fi channel it's uh it's absolutely fantastic uh fiona Dorif, jennifer tilly brad Dorf, they, they all absolutely kill it um <clears throat> that said i agree i was expecting something different when you talked about the sort of the ghost hunter vibe, it's actually, I think one of the issues is, is that they actually kind of nail that incredibly realistically. Like they have the same tools, the EM, and I, of course, am a religious watcher of these shows and they have, they have the EMF meter. They do the, um, uh, the, the Frank's box or spirit box that runs through AM and FM radios signals quickly, uh, and tries to catch, uh, words they do all that stuff to such a degree that it actually feels like I'm watching one of those episodes, which is both, I'm, I think what they were going for. And so a success in that way, but it's also not that entertaining because unfortunately, as those of us who desperately want some sort of paranormal activity captured on digital media, it doesn't happen very often. And so it ends up being kind of dull. Uh, <clears throat> we also, if you love Polonia Brothers films like I do, especially I am feeders one and two are uh, some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, you will absolutely be familiar with the Polonia sort of realtor video of their house. Uh, which you get in this in spades because there's multiple camera angles, multiple cameras at any given time. And that's great to see that the feeder's house is still running strong. Uh, I, but yeah, there's just not a lot that happens. Jeff, what were you expecting? Yeah. Oh, I have one more comment on the like, mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters thing before we move on. I'm just going to break in here. So I felt that the acting was also quite uneven. So when they were doing the Ghost Hunter style documentary stuff, I thought that their acting was super great, very believable mm -hmm. that they were on like a documentary and a reality show. But then like in the more like actiony, like attack aspect, yeah. like it was not very good. Yeah, it's interesting. There's sort of a, I, I called it in when I was, when my wife and I were watching this, I called it the Polonia moment where, yeah. um, and that's not a dig, but when, because uh, Mark Polonia, the, I call legendary filmmaker, there's really no question. He's made so many films uh, in the cult community. He's an icon, plays the lead investigator and uh, Max slash Manny. And uh, he does a great job playing really realistic. Like everyone in there plays sort of that down sort of like just matter of fact kind of quiet like the people that run around with electrical equipment and listen to audio recordings for eight hours a day like that they played it really well until that polonia moment 
when we get the sort of introspection, when Mark's character is looking out the window and is like, what right do we have to, uh, to ask anything of the dead? Like it's that moment, it's such a weird turn because there's been, it's been such a dry technical level, like such a ghost hunters like level that when that happens, it's like, I'm like, wait, what, what movie am I watching? I, I always think of, there's a movie, an old, I think it's fifties. It is fifties movie that I love called the phantom planet. And in the beginning, it's this astronaut and his co-pilot and they're gonna, they're trying to investigate the disappearance of the ship. And like the co-pilot gets left out of the ship while the pilot's knocked out and he just drifts into space and presumably dies. But as he's drifting, he has this like ridiculously lofty monologue about like, just like the meaning of life. And it's so goofy because it just seems so unrealistic uh, and so out of place. And that's exactly what I flash back to in that moment. And it wasn't unpleasant. In fact, to be honest, I kind of wanted more of that because at least it was reaching towards the action that I was expecting um, or hoping for. Uh, and before we jump to Jeff, let's just say there's really no action. Um, the, there is a reveal that, that the lead investigator is the brother. Um, in the beginning of the movie, we get some found footage because uh, the realtor has set up cameras in the house uh, since there's been so many issues to see what's going on, where uh, two or three, three like break-in people come in and are killed in the basement by an unseen force. Uh, but then we get nothing until the end when the lead cast encounters a similar situation in the basement. And that was very Blair Witch reminiscent. Uh, you know, we talked about the original Blair Witch film on this podcast. Go back and listen to our Witches episode, uh, <clears throat> our episodes. Very much that. And I, I can't imagine that that was not in the filmmakers' heads when they were making this because you, the action's off screen for the most part. Uh, and then everyone sort of ends in a mystery heap. Uh, there is a doll that attacks the neck of someone and you hear biting sounds. The sound effects are actually kind of fun in this, uh, I'll talk about, but let's jump to Jeff. Jeff, what were you expecting of this movie? What did you get of this movie and what were, are your takeaways? Well, I mean, clearly all of us thought this was gonna be a little, little, you know, creature th uh, slasher film. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, like I actually, I, I honestly I had to skip ahead in this because the the whole premise of like the ghost hunters but the plot is, jeff i'm just kidding it it's it's I, I can't watch one of those shows but like even when you're watching one of those shows it's kind of like you're going to a magic act they're trying to convince you that ghosts are real there's some sort of you know um kind of there there's something there right like you're you know they cut a woman in half they don't actually cut a woman in half but like you know there's there's some mystery to it and you're like trying to maybe figure it out and like you're activating your brain in this case it, they're not even trying to do that it's like going to like a magic act and they like forget to put like the mirrors and the smoke in and it's just like it's just like well I, I, i'm bored i'm like i'm like i'm painfully bored i watched parts of shark exorcist twice just to try to like figure out what the heck was going on but i could not watch this entire film even though it was only an hour i just i had to skip it it's it funny just, you say that because I was thinking of Donald Farmer's Shark Exorcist, which we famously covered on our very first episode of Cult and Classic Podcast. And uh, I think my wife says this, the greatest sin, and it's been said before, the greatest sin a film can do is bore you. Because a film can be terrible. Shark Exorcist, I love Donald Farmer. So happy that film was made. It's 
a bad film. Like it is perhaps the worst film from a technical standpoint across all levels. Um, and because of that, it's actually kind of fascinating, you know, yeah. uh, and, and you try and make sense of things that probably don't, you'll probably never be able to actually understand the intent of particular scenes. This one, we knew exactly what the intent was and it was nailed so immediately that the, it was like, um, it was like getting a reveal in the first five minutes and then watching them explain the reveal for 55 minutes. Um, like you understand the setup and then we get all the way to the end. It's almost, it feels like a short film with a huge <laughs> amount of padding in the middle. And I kind of wonder if this is sort of what this was. Um, uh, a fellow legendary filmmaker, Ron Bonk, who runs uh, SRS, Subrosa Studio, uh, uh, releasing, uh, which you should absolutely go check out their website. Uh, they have great sales, great movies, great weird stuff. Uh, Japanese cage. Anyway, there's, there's my plug for the day. Um, produced this as well. And this is one of the few Polonia movies that it, there's very little, even though it just came out this year, there's usually information on it somewhere. It's not even listed on IMDb right now. And, and any enterprising uh, uh, listener can, of course, go and remedy that. Uh, but it's weird and it makes me think that this was like a weekend project. Um, it certainly could have been shot very quickly uh, and edited fairly quickly because it is one location. And that brings me to sort of the positives of this movie. And this is a lot of Polonia's films, uh, Polonia films as well. It's sort of a masterclass in what you can do with just a camera and a computer. Um, you know, like anyone who thinks that they can't make a film um, granted, of course, there are issues with script and so forth we were still talking about, but they said, okay, what do we have? Well, we have a couple of stable, we have a couple of GoPros or a cell phone and a camera uh, and three people. Let's make a movie. And they did. Uh, and they, they spiced it up with some, you know, sort of general computer filters to make it look like different equipment. They used little tricks and things to have, um, some some film artifacting occasionally like there's a little electrical interference um and those are actually they were critical to to me getting to the film because uh it, it adds at least some level of visual um visual interest when the plot there, there's really no plot um and i i say that a little tongue-in-cheek because there is a plot like we've discussed but this is a very padded film um, I want to talk to you about the idea of there are certain ideas of this that I understand why they made this because it made sense on paper, like the actual idea of having one of these sort of found footage paranormal investigation movies um, done because the realtor hires them because they can't sell the house, uh, which has happened in real life occasionally, but that's a great setup. And opening with um, the realtor talking sort of to the camera, like it's a documentary thing, uh, as all the cast members do at some point, sort of the office-like, is a great setup because it it tells you that there's, it tells you why, it tells you that it makes sense, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not just a general like, oh, well, they're going to do this. They're going to invest this house. It's like, oh, there's someone on the outside who couldn't give two shits, pardon my French, about... Uh, ghosts or not, uh, who's just trying to sell this flipping house and they can't. Um, that was a good setup. Uh, likewise, the reveal with the brother, I, I'm not sure that I call that a good reveal. And the reason is, is because I didn't expect it, but I, 
it's kind of because the film had drug on long enough that it set the bar low enough that I didn't expect any sort of twist uh, mm. or, or, or thing. So I don't know how, how effective that really was. Uh, if, Just make, if the, your, make your film bad or boring enough that like nobody's searching for anything right. and you'll, yeah. you'll get one bias. Yeah, so. yes. Um, the other thing that I love, uh, that I really did love was the idea that, okay, this doll is moving. And this is a common thing that happens in claimed haunted houses, right? These certain things move all over the place. Well, in all the shows, what they do is they put static cameras, meaning stationary cameras, on the object and review the footage. Well, they had the idea of this, why don't we strap a GoPro to the object? Which was super, super great, actually, because I'm telling you, even if it's a lamp, if a lamp moves by itself, well, it's gonna be harder to tell that the lamp moved by itself if you're watching it in a, in a you know, low light situation. Whereas if you strap a GoPro to it and the GoPro shifts, you're gonna notice it. Um, granted, you would need both for skeptics because you know you have to see on 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 all, from both angles. But again, that was a good idea, and it sort of told me that um, Mark Polonia and also Anthony Polonia, who is uh, uh, Mark's son, I believe, um, was actually the child in Theaters Two Sleigh Bells, which is kind of a nice throwback. I love that Polonia keeps it in the family and keeps friends uh, together. That's one of the greatest things to me about indie cinema is this sort of happy nepotism that I, I'm glad it's the good nepotism right bring bring the family and friends into the into the biz but uh co-directed this so they co-directed it together so I don't know who or both if they're really interested but they really understand these types of shows and as I alluded to earlier I think that passion for uh, for reality uh of these reality shows is actually kind of a detriment because it really is, it needs more drama yeah. thrown in. I'd, I'd actually say, like, the way I would have done it, um, like, is somehow make, because here's the problem, right? Like, if you have characters that want something to happen, and then you have them go and, like, check to see if it's happening, uh, it's like, you know, you, you send a scientist to prove that, um, you know, cheese is yellow. They're, they're going to, you know, you're, they're going to they're gonna prove it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter uh, it, it lacks the drama like if, if instead these ghost hunters went in there and they were like actively trying to prove that there nothing was happening you know what i mean like it, it's you you then twist it right? right so now there's a tension between the reality and you know what they're they're looking for um and then and then when stuff starts to like you know you know that moment when they hear words it's like you know people are shocked and like uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, rather than just be like okay this is what we came here to prove yeah uh, it's it, it's boring so I, I think that a lot of these low budget like you know not well scripted things we have i find has the same problem like they don't like you know the chris siever film like put in put in a character that's like you know like the alice for alice in wonderland put in a character that 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 is being the skeptic the straight character have, the straight you have to have yeah. exactly you have to have that type of <clears throat> character to then create that 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 twist um I, and chris I feel, I feel like they uh, jeff does not speak one. for all of us anyway continue like through this conversation like, i've been thinking of chris's films and how much i have enjoyed them as well uh some of the favorite ones we've done in here definitely uh, no, but it was like there. They did make an attempt at having that straight man, um, the one person that the picked up at random, right? The cameraman who was picked up at random. He expressed his 
discomfort with what was going on. He was in it for the money. Yeah. Right. He's in it for the money. He didn't believe in any of this nonsense. And then through even though uh, I was skipping around, I did catch that plot point. Yeah. But it's, it's not like it's it, not. But enough, it was like right? a quick. Yeah, it wasn't enough. It was like a very quick and kind of turnover from disbelieving to like wanting to get out of there because he believed it completely. Um, think, so it was just a little bit awkward, but I think they tried. I think I think you both spoke to the same point, which is which I noticed too. When the big like like when the cameraman understands that something is supernatural is happening and he realizes he's believing in supernatural which he did before mm -hmm. there's no tension to his realization it's so matter of fact like everyone remains at the same emotional level and mm -hmm. that is a problem because we the audience are supposed to be sort of feeling our way with the characters and when the characters have zero reaction to it um, even even there's like a scene where the camera says like was that a threat like they're saying they're not gonna let yeah. him leave like they were like a little teeny tiny bit more elevated yeah. but not is that a threat oh. yeah <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah it's pretty, like maybe um, but like i don't know and um, the sound specialist <laughs> who did the character damien i i don't um he he reminded me very much of uh the the medium amy um allen's uh, i don't know if she's husband or married but she's he's her cameraman and he actually even looks a lot like him if he grew a beard uh and had more hair and stuff um but he like they tried to have his character become the one that totally elevates like to go from full believer to then being angry when the, the lead investigator reveals that uh he's the brother and this vengeful spirit might be after him and now mm. after all of them kind of thing he's like i don't care if you die like that sort of thing but even that had more emotion behind it than the actual line delivery like he maintained the same like just the same level and I it just didn't that, work yeah i think that might be why i was feeling that like what they were doing worked for the documentary mm -hmm. um ghost hunters part but not for like the the action -y scenes like, that very might much be why so. it felt so strange specifically um it was also like more wooden maybe that's why i felt wooden it was like because uh, it's a doll well, it's a doll. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I, I think another thing too is there's like no comedy relief in this film. And I'm not a person who says there has to be comedy relief at all, but that is something Polony Brothers often put in. And it would have, I was thinking back to the Blair Witch, which as we've talked about, is kind of the, I mean, it is the iconic found footage movie, you know, um, at the a horror film in uh, of modern times. And they had a lot of really great realistic humor moments in that film where they played between the characters and their personalities. And that actually even helped to reveal more of their personalities. So when uh, emotions escalated and they started to come into conflict, we kind of bought it. And also it became a little scary because you know when people are pushed to a certain limit, they behave in ways we may not expect. Um, and this one, it, it wanted to get there, but I think the limitation of you know, uh, scope of the film limited that. Um, we get, uh, we have uh, co-director Anthony Polonia on special effects. That was a letdown, not because Anthony can't do special effects because Anthony's done some fun things in Zilla Foot, another one of their films, um, which which also Anthony co-directed and uh, and hopefully the, the new film, Sister Krampus, which is coming out very here shortly from Sub Rosa Studios um, as well. It seems like it will have more of the sort of slashery blood and gore. Uh, and those effects 
are capable in a pony film they're often a lot of fun because they are low budget but they're the presence so we can elaborate you know see them and feel them there really aren't any special effects to speak of in this film um there's uh we as we talked about we didn't get to see a lot of running puppets or anything in fact the gopro footage of when it's strapped onto the elf uh toy we literally just see the hand in front of the camera as the gopro moves around not that it wouldn't have been not that it not that it was completely ineffective but i really wanted at least a puppet arm to come out you know something like you could have and you could do that quite easily we all know we've seen and i know they're capable of it so that makes me think again that this was more of a weekend project kind of thing like an in-between other projects and you know it, it just it seemed like a missed opportunity also uh damien the sound guys uh death scene was sort of hilarious and confusing at the same time he's trying to flee the basement when all hell's breaking loose and there's a hanging i guess it's a hanging cable or string but it looks like an extension cord and i guess it wraps around his neck when he's running right like yeah it, it's just it's very unclear uh because he runs by it and then he falls on his back and chokes to death um mm -hmm. so hey you know there was like a there's definitely like a string like attached to him okay but yeah. speaking of the house i'm like oh man that's just like my basement stairs like i wonder where this do you know where this was filmed and like, i believe it's pennsylvania i believe okay. polonia productions is based in pennsylvania and most okay. of their films and like i said i, I i'm not i'm not i was super glad that i didn't watch this at night i watched it in the morning before <laughs> we recorded this because i live in a house that is about the same age as the house that they were <laughs> they were talking about it and things happen in my house like i like have like the same kind of like basement situation like mm -hmm. um like or at least that's what it looked like my basement door i even have the same bag full of bags hanging on the inside of my basement door <laughs> i was like um, i, I love like that seems universal <laughs> i know i love the sort of um and Polonia always they often do this the set dressing is just the the actual reality yeah and it's so weird because we so rarely see that that it actually sort of looks wrong if that makes sense sometimes well, i was like like i was glad they put the line in about how uh the realtor hadn't really done anything because the previous owners just left all their stuff there mm -hmm. and i was like but she didn't even stage the house they still got the bag full of bags like yep. what is that like suspension cannot <laughs> be i cannot suspend yeah. my anymore <laughs> what is going on with this bag full of bags but also representation matters and it made it extra scary because it was just like my house and last night when i would have watched the movie instead of this morning uh a picture frame fell off of the wall upstairs oh. while I was downstairs watching a different movie for a future podcast that we're going to do. And I was, it freaks you out when that kind of stuff happens. I'm really glad it didn't happen while I was watching this movie. <laughs> uh, yes. That, and that is something, Polony Brothers, they, and I say Polony Brothers knowing that, you know, Mark is, 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 uh, john has passed um but i'm just so used to it because i'm such a fan of their work uh mark's filmmaking there is a level of reality that comes with being of the place where they are and to in saying that what i mean is is that it's sort of like watching home movies that are put into a movie and sometimes it actually really does enhance the effect other times it tells us that, hey, this is a goofy movie that some friends made. And that's okay too. This is one of those cases where it's the, the effort put into the actual visual production of the video cameras and stuff was so accurate to what they were trying to, to mimic that it, it didn't totally take me there the way that some of their other films have. That said, uh, if you are a Polonia Brothers 
or Polonia Productions like fan, try and pick this up. I have a feeling this is going to be a very hard to find film, especially since it is kind of already it's it's from this year and it's already slipping into the uh, into the obscurity of the Polonia catalog. Uh, so we're, we're coming to the end here of this discussion. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Mandy, who would you recommend Elf on the Shelf to and why? I would recommend this to parents who don't want to do Elf on the Shelf. Arm yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Um, yeah, and, and I will say, uh, while while we mentioned that this is seems to be a Christmas-related film because the toy is clearly a Christmas elf, it doesn't reference Christmas at all, but it does look, I mean, it's clearly the winter. There's snow outside. Um, it's, it's, as we said, it looks like sort of suburb rural Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, and I don't personally know the Polonials, although I'd love to, hey, uh, <clears throat> love to be in one of your movies. Um, it does seem to be, I believe it's the same house that Feeders 2 was filmed in. And that that always makes me super happy because I, I've mentioned it many times. I'm also going to plug Feeders 2 Sleigh Bells because it is a Christmas film. Whereas the first Feeders film is sort of a straight science fiction movie. Uh, Feeders 2 is a science fiction movie where Santa Claus is a main character. So check that out. Uh, so I will recommend this film specifically to uh, Polonia fans and diehards. It's certainly part of the canon now. But also, as I mentioned before, if you want to make your movies yourself and you don't have a budget, that really, really shouldn't stop you at this point in time. Um, it's hard. Uh, it's a lot of effort. But they put together this movie with, they could have put it together with almost nothing, just a computer and a phone. Uh, and really, if you were really into doing it, you could probably just do it with your phone. Um, it's, it's that you can do that. And that's something great that technology has allowed. And I love that the Polonia Productions system is still showing us that you can make movies no matter who you are or where you are and get them out to the world. And thank you to Sub Rosa Studios and Ron Bonk for uh, getting stuff like this out to us. So we can really see uh, just a different side of filmmaking. That said, it does have a lot of padding. And if you haven't watched a Polonia production before, I'd recommend, uh, of course, Feeders, Feeders 2, um, The House That Screamed from 2000 and the sequel. Uh, but also, if you want something more recent, um, Camp Murder, uh, there's actually a trailer on the SRS release of this for that, um, and, and the upcoming Sister Krampus. Those are more action-y and there's more uh, slasher work. This seems to have been sort of an experimental side film uh, that while well, worth a look for completionists, isn't going to hook any new viewers, I think, on, on the Polonia Fair, which would be a shame. So check those out as an alternative. Jeff, who would you recommend Hell on the Shelf to and why? Uh, unfortunately, this one is a don't watch too boring for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just, for me, it, it fails to meet the bare requirements of film for me, which is draw me in somehow with some sort of mechanic or something that's uh, drama or tension or something give me something uh it just it fails that so i, I can't, just can't i can't suggest this to anyone fair enough fair enough we bring you honesty here at culture classic podcast i also want to say too jeff is an electrical engineer uh and so and he also does not love uh, the, as, as you could probably tell the sort of ghost hunter, ghost adventures, um, portals to hell, the sort yeah. of vibe, he doesn't buy it. Um, so if you, if, if that's you, 
you're also probably not going to be drawn in. If it is, if you do like that kind of stuff, you might actually, I found myself getting a little interested when you would hear these EVPs because for the most part, they did a good job of working in, although they were actually so clear in the movie compared to some other ones that if you watch those shows regularly, this is the most skeptical group of investigators on the planet because the people on, you know, Zach Baggins on Ghost Adventures, hey, Zach, uh, Jack Osborne, et cetera, they'd be leaping out of their skin to get that much audio evidence in an investigation. So, you know, hey. Uh, but anyway, that's been it for this part one of five of our 2021 Holiday Flicks uh, Feast that we are going to bring you. We're going to bring you a brand new episode next Tuesday with another holiday film. We're trying to bring you some obscura uh, that might not uh, otherwise make it onto your radar, but can certainly make it into your holiday watching playlist. As always, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your requests, emails, complaints, um, anything you want to cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for making us one of the most uh, successful new uh, cult film podcasts that there are. And we plan to be here uh, for many, many holidays to come. To play us out, as always, is the Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. What's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.